0: One of the things that's nice about a new year is that it is a fresh start. Anytime there's a fresh start, it's always encouraging and exciting because you feel like you can just start over again and the past is behind you and the future is ahead of you. But one of the challenges of a fresh start or a new year is that there's a lot of uncertainty as well. If you think about two years ago at the beginning of 2020, we had no idea what we were heading into with a worldwide pandemic and all the adjustments and changes that that would require. So we can be excited about what is ahead, but there's also a little bit of trepidation as well, probably because of the uncertainty. But the good news is that you can have Clarity in the midst of uncertainty. And as we turn the page on this new year, I want to give you a little bit of a focus on the things that we can be clear about, even if there's a lot of uncertainty. Welcome to Cornerstone Online. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman, and this experience, our online experience, as well as our online, On site experience, which happens 6 p.m. Saturdays at United Baptist Church. All the things that we do as a church are designed to inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly because we know that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And if you're new here, we would love to be able to welcome you personally and stay in touch with you. So if you're new here, start here. Text the word new to 603 225 2550. So as I was thinking about the new year and the uncertainty and clarity that I have, I ran across this passage that we're going to be looking at today, a celebration of a new year that happened about 2,500 years ago. And in studying and looking at this passage, it highlighted and emphasized To me, kind of some of the things that I've been thinking about as I look forward to this coming year for our church congregation, and I wanted to be able to share that with you. I think that as we talk through this and walk through this, it will also give you insight And remind you of some of the things that you probably have clarity about, even if there is a lot of uncertainty in your life. We're going to be looking at a passage from the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was a governor, a leader, a builder. He returned to Jerusalem after being exiled, after the country had been had been conquered and the people taken away as captives. And now he is returning to try to rebuild their people and their country. He has focused his efforts on rebuilding the wall, but there was a lot of insecurity, a lot of uncertainty, at this time because an ancient city without a wall was very vulnerable but at this point we are at the point where the wall was finished this is Nehemiah chapter 7 and Nehemiah is speaking and he said, I had set up the doors and the gates, the gatekeepers, singers, and Levites were appointed. So now that the wall is finished, he's ready to reestablish the worship of the Lord. And that's a lot about what this is about as well. Levites were a tribe in the nation of Israel that were focused on the worship of the Lord. So, at the beginning of the next chapter, it says, so on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly. Now for us, that just sounds like any old date, but the people that were reading this at first would have recognized that the first day of the seventh month was the beginning of a holiday. And in particular, as it's described in Numbers 29.1, the festival of trumpets. It says, celebrate the festival of trumpets each year on the first day of the appointed month in autumn. Now, this is the New Living Translation, and if you were reading this in your printed Bible or online even, you would see that there's a little note about the appointed month, and it tells you that in Hebrew, this says the first day of of the seventh month the first day of the seventh month was their new year celebration now don't ask me how the seventh month becomes the the first month of the new year but that's how it worked for them the first day of the seventh month was the new year celebration and they would celebrate that by blasting trumpets we drop a ball they would blast trumpets. And when they did, they would call for an official day for a holy assembly. So they would get together. And this was the start of their new year. So Ezra, Nehemiah are celebrating the beginning of a new year, a fresh start for the people of God. They had faced a lot of insecurity and uncertainty but there are certain things that they are going to be able to get clear about. So today, we are gonna be talking about clarity. And what we're gonna say is that the good news is that you can have clarity even when you don't have certainty. There's a lot of things that we can't be certain about, but there are also several things that we can be clear about. And the way that we'll apply this, the the way that we will turn this into a plan of action is this we do what you know to do next, even if you don't know what's coming next. See, even in the midst of uncertainty, there are certain things that we know to do. And if we just focus on the things that we know to do next, even if we don't know what's coming next, then we should be in good stead. So let's look at it together. This is Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 1 to 12, and I'm going to be reading in the New Living Translation. It says, in October, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So they're bringing out the scroll of the first five books of our Bible. Verse two. So on October 8th, now this is the first day of the seventh month and the translators have figured out that that would have been, according to our calendar, October 8th, 445 BC. So that's kind of cool. We actually know the exact day and date this happened. Ezra, the priest, brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. To his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Maasiah. To his left stood Pedaiah, Mishael, Malkajah, Hashem, Hashpadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabithi, Hodiah, Maasaiah, Keletah, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah the governor were the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had been all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites too quieted the people telling them, hush, don't weep for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's words and understood them. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we look at your word, I pray that you would give us insight and understanding, that we would clearly understand what you are saying to us, and that you would give us the clarity that we seek, even in the midst of uncertainty, and then that you would help us, give us grace and power to act on what we know to do, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so like I said, in this passage, I think there are certain things that give us insight into the clarity that we can have right now, even in the midst of an uncertain time. And that is the good news that you and I can have clarity even when we don't have certainty. When I was looking at this and thinking about what's planning, what's up ahead for us as a church, I noticed first that they had clarity about the place and we want to have clarity about the place we meet. Look at what happened in Nehemiah chapter eight. It says that Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. They set aside a particular place and a particular time. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon. As I look forward to what is going to happen next in our church, I really feel like it's important for us to find a place that we can meet in a time that works best for us, and that is Sunday mornings. Now, we are thankful, and we've been enjoying meeting on Saturday evenings. It's worked for some, but the reality is that for most people, Sunday morning works better, and if we are going to accomplish our mission of reaching people who are not yet connected to Jesus, not yet following Jesus, the reality is that most people are gonna be looking for to connect, looking to connect to a church on a Sunday morning. And so I want to give as a first step of our clear next steps, the goal, the aim to return to Sunday mornings. Now there's a lot of uncertainty in that. Sunday mornings is, are not currently available at the place where we meet. So that might mean changing to a different location. What's that new location going to be? I have no idea. But in the midst of this uncertainty, we can have a clear next step. And I want you to know that we are working towards returning to Sunday mornings for our in-person gatherings. And that's something that you can be thinking about, praying about as well. So we, don't, we have a lot of uncertainty. However, there is some clarity. That is the direction that we wanna move in. And we can have clarity about that even if we are uncertain about exactly how that's going to work out. Then the second thing I want you to notice is that there is clarity around the people we serve. Let's look again at this passage in Nehemiah. It says, so on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly. Now, I've highlighted that word assembly because the word church is actually the word assembly. It's a congregation. It's a set aside group of people identifying with Jesus as followers of Jesus. So, uh, the people are gathered together and notice what it says about this it's which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand a couple of things about that it's the whole congregation men women and children and notice the emphasis on understanding now i think the way that this applies to us and our clear next steps is number one we definitely want to return to sunday mornings but notice that this is a whole family ministry, that everybody in the family is included. There's something for men, women, and children, and the emphasis is on helping them to understand. So in order for us to accomplish our mission, I think we need to return to Sunday mornings, as well as restart our children's ministry. From the beginning of our church, a ministry to children has been an important part of what we do. Because of all the adaptations and changes over the past couple of years, we have not been able to provide a children's ministry like we would want to, and it's time to restart that. We know that not only if we're going to reach people, do we need to have a Sunday morning in-person option, but that there has to be something for the children as well. It's mission critical because most people who follow Jesus start following Jesus as children. It's not just babysitting while the older uh, people and adults are, are able to meet in a different place. This is a mission critical part of our ministry and we want to have something for everyone including the children so that whole families can participate and that we accomplish our mission by ministering to children. So a lot of uncertainty related to that, exactly how that's going to happen, when it's going to happen. But that is the direction that we are moving and we have clarity that we want to meet on Sunday mornings and we want to restart our children's ministry. So you can have clarity about uh, a lot of things, even when you don't have certainty. And perhaps the most important thing And the thing that these other two are actually related to as well is that we can have clarity in our church about the purpose we pursue. Unfortunately, it's possible to get this confused. You can go to a church and wonder, is this a political rally? Is this a social club? Is it a personality cult? What should distinguish a church is it's allegiance to the following of Jesus, the, the ultimate allegiance to Jesus and learning to live and think like him in every aspect of our lives. Thankfully, Jesus gave us clear direction about what we're supposed to do and the purpose that we are supposed to pursue. So the third step of the clear next steps that I feel like we need for our church are return to Sunday mornings, restart children's ministry, but rally around the mission. And really all of this is related to that last point. We need to reconvene, we need to reconnect as a congregation after these last two years. But what are we going to connect around? What are we gonna lock arms in order to accomplish? It's got to be the mission, the Great Commission that Jesus gave us. Here is the statement of it in the Great Commission passage from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. There it is. That's the key. That's the core of our mission to make disciples. Now, disciples is kind of a churchy word. We don't usually use that outside of a religious context, but really that word is just the idea of a learner, a student, or I like best an apprentice. It's someone who is learning the ways of Jesus and following in the ways of Jesus. So the church, the congregation, the assembly should be a bunch of people who are learning about the ways of Jesus and following the ways of Jesus and actually in the New Testament church are able to have the life of Jesus being lived through them in the person of the Holy Spirit. So that is, is the purpose that we are going to rally around. That's the purpose that we have had from the beginning of our church, and that will continue to be the focus of our church. We're gonna rally around the mission that Jesus gave us of making disciples. Now, in this passage, he elaborates on that because there are really two aspects to this idea of making disciples. He goes on to say baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the holy spirit. What he's emphasizing here with this is that there has to be a starting point that you're not just kind of born into it. You don't it doesn't it's not something that happens automatically. In order to be a follower of Jesus, you have to move and step into that role. It's not automatic. In fact, it takes a conscious decision. So you have to take people who are not followers of Jesus and they have to become followers of Jesus if we're going to make disciples. And the way that Jesus instituted for us to celebrate and commemorate our becoming a follower of Jesus is baptism. When you say yes to Jesus, you your next step of obedience is baptism and so if you are already following jesus or if you are starting to follow jesus and you have not been baptized no matter how long ago you began on that journey your next step is baptism that's the, the first step of obedience that jesus laid out the way that we identify as a follower of Jesus. So if you're interested in that, go to our website, cornerstonenh.org slash baptism, and you can connect with us and we can uh, give you the information you need and hopefully schedule your baptism as soon as possible. So We're all about making disciples. In order to become a disciple, you have to consciously decide. You have to align yourself with Jesus, declare your allegiance to Jesus, say yes to Jesus. And then that's really only the start. The second part, he goes on to say, "...and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is the discipleship apprenticing process where we learn more about Jesus and apply it to our lives so that we live like Jesus. And that is our purpose, our mission, our great commission, and that's what we're going to rally around. Now, back in Nehemiah chapter 8, you can see that this is a team effort. I've been emphasizing, especially in our on-site meetings, that, that I'm just one of the congregation. Yes, I have a special role as the lead pastor, and I have certain gifts that hopefully I'm able to apply and and uh, use in that role. But the church is made up of all the followers of Jesus within a congregation and all of us have a part to play as each part does its own special work. It helps the whole body to grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's in Ephesians 4.29. So you see that in Nehemiah 8 as well. And here's where I get to say all these fun names again. So in Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra is preaching and teaching the people, but he's not alone in that. To his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maasiah. Then on his left stood Padaiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashpadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. He is not alone. And even in this role where he is leading and teaching, he's got a team of people, people on his right and left who are there with him. And that is the way that the church is supposed to work, that it was designed to work, and has to work. No one person can do this on their own. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, if Cornerstone is your church, then you need to find a place to serve and step into that role. Whether you're participating primarily online or you can show up in person, there is a place for you to serve. And that is a clear next step. If you're a part of our church, you should be contributing, serving in some way. Way and in fact, you can go to cornerstonenh.org/serve. I didn't put that on there, but that's an easy way to help get help you get connected. And then notice, even in the teaching ministry, Ezra was not alone. Uh, it's very common for churches, including ours, to have a primary teacher, and that's me. However. The goal, the design is to have a team of people who are qualified and able to teach. For Nehemiah and Ezra, that was the tribe of Levi. So there's another set of fun names to say the Levites were then instructed the people. They were participating in the teaching ministry: Joshua, Bani, Jer- Sheribah, Sherubiah, Jamin, Shabbatai. Hodiah, Maasaiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah. Now, those are fun names to say, and I can't tell you how much I practiced that over the past couple of days. I feel like I did okay. But I felt like it was important to read those names because they're included in the scripture. It's not just Ezra. It's not just Nehemiah. It is the group. It is the team. It is the other people who are playing their part that made this possible and it's you the people that serve and give and participate just show up on a weekend and week out basis that make cornerstone what it is you're important you matter you're appreciated and just like these names that really don't mean anything to us we know very little about these people but they're in scripture because God felt like it was important for them to be recorded. And he remembers your name. He sees every act of service, every sacrifice that you make. And without that, it would be impossible to accomplish our mission. Now, look what we see happening. They read aloud to everyone who could understand. There's this constant emphasis on understanding. Look at chapter verse 8, they read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. One of the ways that we serve our congregation and our world is we we are a biblically based church. We emphasize the scriptures and to help people understand each passage. One of the things that drives my ministry is the desire to inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And the way that I do that primarily is by explaining the scriptures. I um, brought this Bible, which I got uh, over 30 years ago now. It was a Bible I picked up uh, in my last year of college. And I was reading through Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, and ran across this verse, it's actually in Ezra chapter 7, it's verse 10, it says Ezra committed himself to studying the revelation of God, to living it, and to teaching Israel to live its truths, And And I I felt like that was so meaningful and such a, a succinct and accurate definition of what I wanted to do. To study, to put the work in, to understand the scriptures. And then to live it because I wanted to live with integrity. I didn't want to just tell people about it. I wanted to be living it as well. And then to share it. So study, put the work in, live it out live with integrity and then to teach Israel to live its truths and ways. In fact, I took that verse and I wrote it in the inside cover of this Bible. I had written when I first got the Bible, Lord Jesus, I'm going to believe what you say in your word. If you show me, I'll believe it and share it, amen. And then below that, a couple of months later, I wrote this verse. I share that with you because I want you to understand um part of my calling and my motivation but i also believe that there are people who are watching and listening who might share that calling and motivation and again we want to do everything we can to support you encourage you and help you to use your gifts to serve in that way look at the impact that this had at this holiday Uh, the summary statement that Nehemiah gives is so the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy and why were they celebrating and what was the cause of this great joy because they had heard God's words and understood them heard God's words and understood them So there's a lot of uncertainty in our world, but we can have clarity and we have clarity around our mission. You can have clarity even when you don't have certainty. And I just want to add that in addition to the people who are serving by bringing God's word and helping the people to understand, there was a responsibility on the listener's side as well. In 8.3 of chapter of Nehemiah, It says all the people listened closely to the book of the law. They leaned in. They were listening closely. And to listen in the Bible is an idiom for not for obey. It's for obeying. It's not just sound waves hitting your eardrums. It's that you're taking it in and you're doing something with it. So all of us have the responsibility to show up so that we hear what's going on, to listen closely. Are you printing out the growth guide? Are you taking notes? Are you answering the talk it over questions? Are you thinking it through? Uh, Are you showing up on time? Are you coming into Cornerstone Online a half hour into it? Are you missing half of it? You know, it's, it's that idea that you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And the people were listening closely to the book of the law. They were listening. They were leaning in. And if we're going to accomplish our mission, then we have to lean in and listen closely. We have to pay attention. And in particular, the core of our message, the gospel message, is this. That Jesus has done everything necessary for us to be included in his family. I like this passage from John chapter 6. There was a crowd around Jesus and they just want him to state very clearly, very plainly, what is it you want us to do? They, they put it this way What must we do to do the works God requires? They're saying, You know, just give us the list, give us the checklist, and we will do it. You tell us what we need to do to be on the end with God. And I love that Jesus doesn't give them a checklist, doesn't give them a to do list, doesn't give them a religious list of do's and don'ts, but instead refocuses their attention on himself in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus answered, the work of God is this. Here's what what he wants you to do. Here's what he expects of you. Here's how you get in on all that God offers. Believe in the one he has sent, talking about himself. And so, yes, there's things that we're going to do to explain God's word to you. I really think that you, if you take it to heart, if you lean in and listen closely and apply it to your life, your life is going to be better as a result. But don't miss this core of our message, which is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Now, in the scriptures, believe is not just a matter of intellectual assent. Oh yes, I believe that Jesus was a man who lived 2,000 years ago, or even that he lived and died and came to life again. What believe means is not just to know and receive and accept those facts, but also to put your trust in Jesus, to entrust yourself fully to him, to follow him wholeheartedly. It's saying, Jesus, I want what you did on the cross to count for me personally. I want my sins forgiven. I want my guilt washed away because of what you did on the cross. And I want to also follow you as Lord. It's saying yes to Jesus as boss, the one who gets to call the shots, the one whose lead you will follow from this point on. So I hope that if you haven't done that already that you will respond to this core of our message and say yes to jesus commit your life to jesus we want to celebrate it with you we want to resource you as you take your next first steps with jesus so text yes to our church number 603-225-2550 and we'll be able to do all of that but don't miss this core point in our mission and that is your transitioning from someone who is outside of the family of God to inside the family of God, outside of God's congregation and into the congregation of God. It's not about a particular church, it's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So say yes to Jesus. I want you to have clarity about that because if you don't hear anything else, we want you to say yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord. And now I'm going to give you a little bit more about our plan of action because you can have clarity even when you don't have certainty. And here's the plan of action and that's to do what you know to do next, even if you don't know what's coming next. I've tried to lay out some of the next steps that i see clear next steps that i see for us as a church i've laid out some of the clear next steps for everyone who's a follower of jesus or how to become a follower of jesus get baptized then serve lean in pay close attention there are good next steps for your spiritual journey that you can take and most likely as you've thought about your priorities and your life even if there's a lot of uncertainty you can identify some clear next steps that you should take as well and i want to end with this aspect of what we looked at and that is that we can get sidetracked by looking too much at the past when God has new things ahead of us. So don't focus on the uncertainty and the confusion. Focus instead on the clarity. In Nehemiah chapter 8, he, they were telling the people, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. And he goes on to explain, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Now, it doesn't state it explicitly, but what we think is going on there is they were listening to God's word. They were recognizing that they had blown it and all the pain and suffering that they had been going through as a people was preventable and that they brought it on themselves. So there was a lot of sorrow and guilt and looking backwards. And this was the new year celebration. It was the trumpet blast saying, Hey, we've got a fresh start. So don't be focused on these things. This is a sacred day for looking forward, for anticipating what God is going to do next. He says, this is a sacred day before our Lord. So don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And just a quick note about that word strength, I just learned that this week, that word could also be translated as refuge or stronghold. What's he saying there? It's like when you're focused on, when you're leaning into your relationship with the Lord, it's a place of security, it's a place of strength, it's a place of safety. And so in the midst of an uncertain, insecure world, you can lean into your relationship with your heavenly father. And the joy of the Lord is your strength, your refuge, your stronghold. It reminds me of this passage from Isaiah chapter 43. And I'll close with this famous passage. I'm going to read it to you from the message translation. It says, forget about what's happened and don't keep going over old history. Why? Because he wants you to be alert and be present. And if we're so focused on what's happened before and relitigating the past, then we're going to miss what's happening right now. And so the Lord, through the prophet Isaiah, says, be alert, be present. Why? I'm about to do something brand new. He goes on to say, it's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. Well, I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. In the midst of the uncertainty that we have, and in the midst of the of difficulty, the Lord says, I can make a way where there seems to be no way. I can make a road through the desert. I can cause rivers to flow through badlands. And if you are so focused on what's happened in the past, you're going to miss what I'm doing right now so rather than focusing on the uncertainty rather than focusing on the difficulties and challenges of the past you can have clarity when you focus on the lord you can have clarity even when you don't have certainty so do what you know to do next even if you don't know what's coming next would you pray with me heavenly father i thank you lord that you have given us so much clarity about uh, what we should do to make progress in our spiritual journey, that I believe that you are giving us clarity as an individual church congregation about what you want us to be pursuing next in this coming year. And I thank you also, Lord, that you have and will continue to give clarity to us as individuals, that as we seek your face, you will show us exactly what you have for us. Help us to focus on those things about which we have clarity and not be distracted by the past and uncertainty of, the, uh, of what we're facing right now. And give us faith, courage, strength so that we will do those things that we know to do next and that you would make it clear to us what those things are. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.